Good morning. So good to see so many beautiful faces this morning. How about this weather, right? The Lord is blessing our land. Um, So um, I was getting some stuff prophetically, so I'm just going to share with you what I was hearing during worship. Um, Jeff Jansen, uh, yesterday, day before, anyway, he's in Kansas City right now. And he's been doing this conference, and he released this word which is that he saw, he had this encounter with the Lord, he had this vision with the Lord, um, and, and what he saw was he saw a boomerang coming out of Dallas, Texas, and it was hitting the nation, and when it hit the nation, it was causing the harvest to come in. And um, I talked to Jason Hooper, who is um, in, with Jeff in his ministry last night, and I said, hey, I just heard this word, and um, I said that it's just really incredible, this word, because um, about six years ago, I had this um, vision. And, 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 and for those of you that don't know, when you have a vision, I was, I was in my body, but my spirit was with the Lord. And so I was having an encounter with him. And in the vision, I was sitting uh, in a tree with him. Love that. Yay! So I'm sitting on a tree branch with him, and he was explaining to me who he was and who he is and that the tree was him and that he is the tree and he is life. And so we're having this great conversation about the revelation of, of his love, and all of a sudden this trumpet sounds, and he looks in the direction of the trumpet, and then he looks back at me, and he has a very serious look on his face, and he said, it's time for war. And he opens up my hand, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's going to give me a weapon or something to war with. And he places in my hand a blue stone. And I'm thinking to myself, really? That's all you got? There's a war coming, and you're going to give me this. I'm feeling like David, right? What am I supposed to do with this? Of course, David would probably had a lot more confidence. But anyway, so... Uh, I, all of a sudden, I'm out of the tree, and I'm, I'm on the ground, and, I, and I know, somehow I know I'm supposed to take this blue stone, which I've learned through the years that the blue stone is the sound that's coming. It's a sound, and so I take this blue stone, because it was the blue stone, it was a sapphire stone that was around the throne, right? It's the thing, it's the stone that's absorbing the sound of the Father's voice, and so it is the closest to the Father, and it's got that sound in it, and so I take this stone, and I throw it out, and it turns into a boomerang, and it goes out, and it's this blue boomerang, and it comes back in, and this harvest of, of of all of these young people start coming in to the kingdom. So then I throw it out three times. The same thing happens. A harvest of thousands and thousands and thousands of young people coming into the kingdom. And so this morning when Jeremy, and I wasn't even going to talk about this. It didn't even occur to me to talk about it. And this morning when Jeremy was prophetically singing about the rain, this is what I was hearing. This is not what he was saying, but this is what I heard in the spirit. I kept hearing it over and over. It's the the sound is pouring down. It's the rainy season now. The sound is pouring down. It's the rainy season now. And I just thought, God, you are about to release something in the spirit out of this city. And it's a boomerang of sound. And we're all going to participate in it. It's not for it's not for me. It's not for the person that's standing up here with the microphone. It's for every single one of us. This blue stone is available for all of us. 
And, 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 and so I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this morning on giving. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Right? Because I was going to preach on something else. I had a completely different message prepared. But two days ago, the Lord broke in. He's like, no, 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 no. I want you to preach on this. So don't you know that when the Lord puts his finger on your finances, is it because he wants your money? It's because the rain is coming. He's wanting to prosper us in the area of our money. He's wanting to prosper us in the area of righteousness. He's wanting to prosper us in the area of our hearts. It's pretty exciting. So I unapologetically am talking to you this morning about giving. I am not going to apologize for this because God is after this area of worship in our hearts. I was reading some statistics the other night about giving and, and how few people, really the in the charismatic churches, it's the highest, the giving is the highest, it's 24% of charismatics give. And it's actually only about um, an average of 2.3% in the body of Christ as a whole. Now the Mormons, they tithe. Man, they're 80%. They're giving, they're giving, they're giving because they don't want to go to hell, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I can conclude this. If he wants to talk about this, then he really wants to explode in this area. He wants to set a lot of us free. Because if you've got any kind of emotion tied to your money, then we need to kick that out this morning. We need to set you free because don't you know we're all really happy when we're prospering, right? We're on top of the world. Man, we are we are so cool. We're so all of our friends are like, look at them, man, they're prospering, blah blah blah. And then when we don't, we're like, oh my God, I don't have enough. And there's so much emotion tied to it. There's so much fear attached to, to the lack and there's so much joy attached to the abundance. This is this money shouldn't have any emotion attached to it, other than the fact we should be joyful in our giving. So we need to be set free. So I don't want to be terrified if I don't have any money. And I, I so I, I just I wanna I wanna walk in faith in all areas of my life, and this is one of the areas I believe that God's really wanting to deal with us in. Um so the anointing to love God is our greatest possession. I love what Jeremy said on Thursday night. God created our human frame to hold the glory of his presence. Meaning that there is no other creature on earth or in heaven that actually inhabits the presence of God. The love of God that dwells in me the love of God that dwells in my heart, there is no other creature that gets to experience that dynamic. None. Because that's why he designed us in his image. This is, this is our human frame that gets to experience this reality. And it is truly the greatest experience of all. 
And so when he, when he is after, when he's putting his finger on something, what he's doing is he's saying, this is keeping you from coming to the fullest measure of love and experiencing the fullest measure of my love and my faith in your life. And so on the Sermon of the Mount, this is what he taught. He taught three things were going to get us out of unbelief and expand our hearts in love. These three things were prayer, the giving of your money, and fasting. He says this about the giving of your money in, in, verse, um, in, in, in chapter 6, verse 4. He said, listen, I want you to give and I don't want you to boast about it. He's saying this, you cannot love God and love money. It's got to be a neutral. Money has to be a neutral in our lives. We cannot attach any emotion to it that if I, if I have a lot of money, you know, then I, I you know, that, that makes me happy. If I have no money, that makes me inferior. He's like, listen, this is a neutral. Paul said, whether I'm abasing or abounding, I, I, I'm, I'm content. I'm satisfied. So it has, money has no control over Paul. It, it, it hasn't, it's not a part of his heart. And so, so it's very interesting how the Lord grows us in this area. And I thought, uh, you know, back when I was first a believer, that uh, the way that God was going to deliver me of the spirit of poverty, it was going to give me a lot of money. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was wrong about that. <laughs> That's the way I would do it, but I'm not God. <clears throat> so he's after two things. He's after, well, number one, he's after your heart, but there are two things that go on and, and that he uses money. He uses money to, to um, help us get delivered of these two things. Number one, it's unbelief, to get delivered of unbelief, and number two, to grow in love. He uses money. Isn't that interesting? And we all know this because we've all been around that mountain of money. We've all been around that mountain where God is taking us around and we, all we have is, is just the little to live on, but having to believe God every day for his sustenance. John and I, um, when we were, um, I guess it was around our fifth year, fifth, my fifth year of salvation, John had started his own business, and um, we were about the second year into, uh, you know, getting this thing off the ground, and so we had used all everything, all of our savings, and um, we only had a small amount left in our in our checking account. And we had been faithfully, you know, well, we didn't have any money coming in, so we weren't necessarily tithing, but we were trying to be generous in, in our giving. However, we had this last amount of money left in our savings account. And I'm just going to tell you how much it was because it wasn't very much. But um, we had, we, you know, we have seven children. And, um, and Samuel was still at home. I think Maddie was still at home. Anyway, they're going to college and everything. So we have this last little bit left in our savings account. And we were praying and worshiping one night. It was about, what was it, baby? Like $100? Not much. Not much. It was about $100. We had $100 left. How many of you have been in that situation? Isn't that awesome? Isn't it so fun to be there? Because you know you're about to see a miracle. <clears throat> Come on. So we've got $100 left, and we're praying. And during the time that we're praying, the Lord said, I want you to write a check for $100, and I want you to go give it to this missionary. And I said, oh, praise the Lord. Okay. So I told John, and, we're, and John's like, well, I've got to provide for my family. 
and that's just not going to happen. And I mean, we were really dealing, I mean, the Lord was really dealing with us with this because we weren't going to have any groceries. We weren't going to have anything, you know, I mean, it was just, we were going to be able to pay the bills. Of course, who can pay bills with $100, right? Anyway, um, okay, besides for Mason. Um, <laughs> so the next day, the Lord broke in and he spoke to John and he said, this is me. I, 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 want, the, I want you to give that $100. Now, God doesn't need our money. We all know that. He has cattle. That's such an interesting scripture, cattle. Who wants a cow? I don't know. Anyway, my farm husband wants a cow. Anyway, so he's got the cattle. He's got the gold and the silver. Basically, means I've got all the money on the New York Stock Exchange. It all belongs to me. I've got all the money, 401k, it's mine. Everything belongs to me. So we've got that covered. Everything belongs to God. He gives us the ability to create wealth, right? So out of the blue, so we write the check on a Sunday, Monday comes, Tuesday comes, out of the blue, John gets a phone call from a guy that he hadn't even contacted. He hadn't even contacted him. He had not even called this guy. He had not gone by to see this guy. Out of the blue, the Lord moved on this man. He called him up and he said, I have a, a job for you. And this job is going to be, uh, you know, less than a week. And it's going to pay you $7,000. So, by the end of the week, we had $7,000. Now, what just happened there? <clears throat> there was an exchange that the Lord is really wanting us to make. And he's wanting us to make it because his kingdom principle says that as we sow, so shall we reap. I've heard it talked about by many, many people in the body that, that because um, the New Testament does not command us to tithe, that we don't really have to tithe. So we don't have to do the 10%. But I want to challenge you that in the Old Testament it says, thou shalt not murder. And in the New Testament, it's Jesus says, I don't even want you to carry murder in your heart. If you hate your brother, then you're a murderer. So actually... In the, under the new covenant, we may not be commanded to give 10%, but he's saying there's actually going to be grace on you to go even farther. Are y'all doing okay? Is anybody manifesting yet? time that I have sat under the teaching of tithing, it never fails. I will bring a, like a non-believer to the church for the first time, and there's always somebody preaching on tithing, and I'm like, no! And they're like, all the church wants is my money. <laughs> no. No. God wants our hearts. He wants us to be wholehearted in love. Wholehearted in obedience. Right? All right, so the Old Testament symbol of the New Testament reality was that in Malachi 3.8, he's like, look, don't rob me, guys, don't rob me. In fact, let's go ahead and turn there, Malachi. It's so good when you can see it in black and white. Or, um, as I've learned with all of you young people, digitally, you see the Bible digitally. I don't know how anybody reads it on those little phones. All right, 3.8. <clears throat> Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? 
but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord. Will I not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it? And so what he's talking about here in the Old Testament, he's like, listen... I'm setting up a, I, I'm, I'm showing you a template of what it looks like to sow seeds into the kingdom. And, and I did it in the Old Testament, and I commanded you for, to do a certain amount, that you were going to bring a certain amount into the storehouse. But now that Jesus has come, who was the first fruit offering, he was the one that, where God said, I'm going to give you my only son so that you can now tap into a kingdom reality of finances, and you can prosper, and your finances can explode. It's like an investment. Just think of me as like... A stockbroker sitting here talking to you about the very best investment that you could possibly ever make. Where do I put my money so I, I can get the greatest return? Where do I put my seed so that I can gather the greatest harvest? Well, if the boomerang is coming and if the sound is coming, the, we need to have the sound of the exchange ringing in this city. You know there's more billionaires that live in Dallas than any place else in the world? Anybody else know that? I researched that. <laughs> Long time ago. They may have moved since the time that I researched it, but I can't understand why they would. Dallas is awesome. <laughs> Exodus twenty three nineteen says this the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord, so that he can bless the harvest. The first of the first fruits. So the New Testament, what is it? What did they do in the New Testament? In Acts 2, do you remember when Pentecost, they had the Pentecostal experience, the Holy Spirit breaks in, there's like a sound, right? A sound is roaring, and, it's, and it roars, and it goes down, and it what is what? Woo, it's got, there it is. It's got the, the fire on everybody's head. And what happens? A sound comes out of their mouth. And this sound has the sound of heaven on it. It's the sound of the Father, and he's speaking through these new tongues, right? And so what happens is it causes everybody then to spontaneously want to give because they're so in love. They've experienced the freedom of the Holy Spirit and they do what? They sell all their stuff. And they bring all of their belongings into the church so that they would all have something in common. So they all, they all, say they all, they all gave. They all gave everything. And what did the Lord do? It said that among them, great miracles and signs and wonders broke out. All right, turn in your Bibles to um, 2 Corinthians 9, 1. Second Corinthians 9.1. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous. Don't you love that word? It is superfluous for me to write to you. I wonder what that word means in Hebrew. It's such a good word. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Achaia was ready a year ago. And your zeal has stirred up the majority. 
Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, underline that word, unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare, underline that word, prepare, your generous gift before him, which you have previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So he's saying, listen, <clears throat> I'm going to be coming, and I want you to be prepared. And he goes on to say this, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. So he's saying, listen, it's not necessary that you give money. Have you heard that preached before? <laughs> It's not necessary. But he says, I'm going to allow you. The Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going to let you do this so that you can be set free in your heart around the area of money. Because money has the greatest hold on us, especially in this nation. It's got us. We're held captive by how much money we have. Reinhard Bonnke said this to me. He said that the... A savings account of Americans is the very thing that keeps revival from coming. Because they want to look at how much money they have, and depending on how much money they have, that depends on how much faith they're going to have. But that's not the way of the kingdom. So a lot of us struggle in the area of money or we're really pressing in and we're asking God for more miracles, signs, and wonders. And he's like, listen, I can't even trust you here. But yet you want to you function here. You don't have faith for your everyday provision. You don't know me as your provider, which is the primary source of faith for us. Right? Because it comes so close to us. That's the area that hits us in our day to day, which is why he puts his finger on this area if he's about to call you to step out in a greater measure of faith. That's good, Tracy. <laughs> Come on. And he says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always have all, uh, having that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I need an abundance for every good work. So he makes the connection here between the giver, the heart, and the blessing. And he's like, listen, when you, if you will give, it'll set your heart free, and then I can really bless you, and I can bless the seed that you've sown. 1 Corinthians 16.1 says this, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. So he's saying, you know, each one of you needs to save the, the, the seed. Don't eat the seed.
Philippians 4. Turn to Philippians 4, 11 through 19. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll just tell you what it says. Okay, Philippians 4. He's talking about abasing and abounding. Paul is talking about abasing and abounding. And he's like, listen, I'm content either way. And then he goes on and he admonishes the Philippian church because he tells them, you guys have really blessed me financially. And because you have blessed me as a servant of the Lord, I, I'm going to pray that the Lord will bless you. So that he will bless the abundance of your hands and that you will function in the blessings of the Lord. How many of you know we really need our finances to be blessed? And when you're in a season where, where you're needing more, a lot of us, what we'll do is we'll pull back and hold on to the lack. And we'll be like, oh man, I, gotta, I just gotta, I gotta pull it in. But that's Greek thinking. That's not kingdom thinking. Because he says that if you will sow a seed for what you need, I will multiply it. See, on the earth, one plus one equals two. But in the kingdom, there's not addition, there's just multiplication. Amen. <laughs> okay, add or multiply. I choose multiply. I mean, I was never really good at math, but that seems to make more sense to me, right? Because you can't outgive God, right? So money, 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 money. <laughs> All right, whoo! I'm feeling the anointing. Is anybody else feeling? Oh, yes. I just got hit with fire. <laughs> Holy Spirit liked that song. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the principle of sowing the seed into the kingdom. <clears throat> Jesus tells, he shows us the principle of sowing the seed into the kingdom. Because he had how many loaves? How many fish? Three. Three, two? There's two different stories. Just go with it. Yeah, whatever. All right. So he has, a, okay. So he's got a meal for basically one person, a really hungry person. Five loaves, depending on how big the loaves were. But anyway, two people. Okay. So you've got this, and he's like, all right. He, he, asks, he asks the disciples, what do we have? So the Lord's saying, what do you have in your hand? What have you got? And, and, and he says, okay, we can work with this because we've got a seed. If we have a seed, then we know that, we can that God can work with the seed. All he that's all he needs is a seed. And he gives us the power to make the seed to begin with. So here he's got a seed and he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Father, thank you for the seed. Thank you for the seed. What did he just do? He just took the seed and he transferred it from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of heaven. And so what it did, it, was, it, it is a spiritual dynamic. And it, what it did is, is that heaven then came down on the seed and it caused the seed to reproduce. So he multiplied the seed. He even had some left over after they were done. Now we've seen this happen time and again when we were, when we had, um, when we were meeting in our house, we would always feed everyone. Well, the, everyone started to grow. 
And so we were like, okay, <clears throat> but the money, you know, we only had a limited budget, so we only had so much money to, to make the food, but yet the mouths were increasing. And so, which was good, hallelujah, right? So we started really going into and spending a lot of money on the food, and I thought, wait, wait a minute. We're not going to do this. We're going to trust God to multiply the seed. So we just started, we made the same amount that we would make for about 25 people. So we made soup. We always made soup. So we made enough soup for 25 people. Whether there was 25 people there or there were 160 people there, everybody got fed. And we always had one bowl left over. Always. Always had one bowl left over. Heidi Baker does this. When the Americans come, and she's got that long line of 7,000, 10,000 orphans, and they're all standing in the line, and then she puts an American in front of the pot, the one pot, and she says, okay, I'll be back. You know, feed everybody. And they're like, well, when, when are they going to bring the, uh, all the rest of the food? And, and she's like, no, 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 this is all there is. And just fear grips them. <laughs> There's all those hungry Africans. They're looking at me. All I got is this. But what happens? There's no bottom. There's no bottom until they get to the very last person. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Do you know what, what that word means? Hold on. I'm gonna blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Second Corinthians 9.10 says this. Now may he who s supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown. You know what that word means? Sown? It means to get pregnant. So, you, unless the seed is sown, you cannot be pregnant with the promises of God. You cannot be pregnant. You're, you, there, you cannot sow. If you don't sow your seed into the field, you cannot reap a harvest. Alright, so he says this. I'm going to finish it. Now he... Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. It sounds like to me there's a little bit of a promise there. If then, if then, if then. All right, so he's saying I'm going to give you a seed. I'm going to give you the seed. Then when you sow the seed, I will multiply that seed. And increase, not only is the seed going to multiply, listen to me, not only is the seed going to multiply, but I'm going to increase the fruits of your righteousness. Years ago, I uh, was driving a car, um, and it was during this time that we were st John was starting the business, which by the way, the business is... It, finally took off after that sowing of the seed. It really was the sowing of the seed. It was, and it wasn't about the money. It was about the heart. And we really needed to get a spirit of poverty broken off of us. And I walk this out all the time. There are times whenever I start to get emotional about money or whenever money starts to grab hold of my heart, what do I do? I give money away. I give money away. 
Whenever I start gathering and I'm like, oh, well, we just have to save for this. We have to save for this. And then listen, you, we got to be a good steward. But I'm telling you that, that there is a, there's, there's this principle in the kingdom that never fails. 100% of the time, God is faithful. <clears throat> so anyway, I heard this teaching on money. And I thought, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to, I want to participate in God's abundance. So what do I need in my life? And at the time I was driving a car that was, um, uh, it was my daughter's and she had pretty much totaled it. So it was pretty hard to drive it. Um, like the window was stuck up, down. And so when it would rain, it would rain in the car and, um, didn't have AC. And I mean, it was just, it was just, you know, had a big dent in it. The, the, the airbags were blown out of the, and so, yeah, I mean, I was used to driving, you know, back in the day, the big fancy cars. And so here I was, and I was like kind of crippling along on this car. And I thought, you know, Lord, oh, and I would turn it on. Oh no, this was, uh, anyway, I would turn it on and the, um, the, the, the antenna was stuck. So when I would turn it on, it would make this sound. It would go ding, 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 ding. And the antenna would be, like be trying to come up, but it was stuck. And so it would just make that noise. So whenever I would to turn the car off and I would go see people, they were like, what's that with your car? And it's like, ding, 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 it's going down. <laughs> I get a new car. So I sowed a seed. So I was like, okay, God, I, I want to sow a seed. I want to sow a seed. I want a new car. I want a car. Anything. <laughs> so I sowed a seed and I, and I did it. I said, God, thank you for the seed. And I wrote down the date. The date that I was sowing it. The amount that I was sowing. So I sowed the key. The, 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 I was transferring the seed into the kingdom. And at about six months later... We had a couple give us a brand new $40,000 top-of-the-line minivan. And he's got a, it's, got a, it's got a TV in it and everything. For free! Oh, whatever! Come on! you got to get excited about that! I love this car. It makes me so happy. Every time we get in this car, we're like, we love this car. It's free. We call it the glory van. The glory of the Lord. Increase the fruit of your righteousness. But I'm going to take, so I sowed a seed, and, and then I began to get the fruit of the seed that I sowed. I was intentional. Guys, we've got to quit being lazy. And listen, this whole thing about tithing, I'm all for tithing. I'm all for doing the whole 10% thing. But I tell you, you've got to really challenge yourself in this area. You know? Really. Because you can do better than that. Because God wants to really bless us. And if the rain of the harvest is coming, they, and, and I'm, hearing, I'm hearing that this morning, there has got to be a connection between setting our hearts free in this area and then seeing the abundance in our lives, not just financially. It's not about your money. It is, but it isn't. It's about your faith. I've got one more story. Is that okay if I share one more story? Yes. Okay, so you know I went to the Reinhardt Bonnke School of Ministry. Reinhardt Bonnke's got an incredible story that when he started out his journey, he didn't start out as Reinhardt Bonnke, famous evangelist. Oh. He didn't know what he was going to be able to do. He just knew he had a call on his life, right? How many of you have a call on your life? 
All hands raised. Come on. All hands raised. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. So we're all, we can all agree that we've all got a call in our life. So he had a call in his life to go to Africa. And um, he, at the time, he was a, he was a young man and um, around 18, 20 years old. And um, he wanted to go to a Bible college. The door opened for him to go to Reese Howe's Bible College in England. Okay, Reese Howe, their, their value system at that college, it, you would think it would be the Bible. But no, they, they esteem and they teach faith over the Word of God. Because they know that if you can train them to believe the Word of God, then the Word of God is going to explode in them and they can walk it out in the earth, right? So what they used to do is they told him, okay, you come to the, to the college and you come just for enough money to cover uh, your food five days a week and, of course, for your tuition. So that's what everybody does. And then they were re required to go out on these mission trips to go around England and preach the gospel at churches. But they didn't have any money. So they had to depend on the Lord to get them there financially and to get them home financially and to feed them while they're there. Remember, because they only have enough food for the five days. And they learned the lesson of don't hoard your stuff. Remember the children of Israel? They used to hoard the manna. And then what would happen? Maggots. Maggots. Mm. So I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to teach you about provision so that you can go into the promised land. Right? So that's what he was doing with, with Reinhardt. It, and, and Reinhardt was seeing all these miracles because what he wants you to do is he wants you to kill the lion and the bear, or the tiger and the bear, the lion and the bear. Anyway, so you're going to slay these two things in your day-to-day -day walk with money. And if you can do that, then he's like, okay, now we're going to take the mountain. Right? So Reinhardt goes through this. He learns about faith, how to walk in this extraordinary faith. And they were so excited because every single time God came through for them. Every single time. He did not leave them sitting at a bus station or at a train station. So Reinhardt gets to Africa. He starts a church there in Africa and the Lord tells him, I want you to go into this another, uh, another little town in Africa and I want you to hold a crusade there. And he's like, okay. So he's thinking to himself, he's going to go to a church and, you know, he's going to preach at a church and, and then everything's going to break out. And that's, you know, in our minds, that's how we think it's going to happen, right? And he's driving, he'd just flown into the little town and he's, and he's in the car and he's driving to the church and he passes by the stadium. And the Lord said, I want you to go rent that stadium for five days. Now, he is a poor missionary living in Africa on support, <clears throat> And he's like, yes, sir. Okay, Lord. So he goes and he leases out this stadium. Now, again, he's not Reinhard Bonnke, the famous evangelist. He's Reinhard Bonnke, the poor missionary in Africa. And nobody knows who he is. So he's like, okay, I know my father's voice. I'm going to go do that. So he goes and he signs his name to a 5,000-seat stadium. And then he goes to the church where he's preaching that has 40 members in it. And he said, okay, we're going to have a crusade. The Lord had me rent the stadium. And so he's telling everybody about it. Afterwards, the pastor comes up to him and he said, <clears throat> Pastor Bonke, uh, we only have 40 people in our church. And if they were to bring every friend that they know, you could probably only get like 400 people in that stadium. And Reinhardt thought, oh, yeah, 
okay, what should we do? He said, I'll tell you what, I'll go around to all the churches and I'll talk to all of the pastors in this town and I'll talk to the pastors in the region. So he started visiting all these pastors. And the pastor said to them, Reinhard Bonnke, we don't even know who you are. So you're telling us that you want us to get all of our people to go to your crusade. Uh, I think we're going to pass on that. But thanks anyway. Not one pastor in that town said yes to him. So the Lord told him, stop doing what you're doing and go home. But he said, but Lord, I'm supposed to have a crusade in two weeks. It's coming up and, and I don't have anybody that's going to come. And the Lord said to him, I want you to go home. Go be with your wife. Go be with your kids. <sighs> you know he's got to have some sleepless nights over this deal. So he goes and, he, and, and the day of the crusade comes. And he is sweating. Well, who shows up? <clears throat> 200 people. And he's like, okay. So the Holy Spirit said, just preach the gospel. So he preached the gospel. And then the Holy Spirit said something interesting. He said, all right, now I want you to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. And he's like, you want me to go lay hands on 200 people? And he said, no, I want you to pray for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So he did. He was like, well, I thought you had to lay your hands on them. And he said, no, 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 just do it. So all of a sudden, the wind of the Holy Spirit comes. Brrr, like dominoes, everybody falls down. They get healed. They get delivered. And they all get baptized in the Holy Spirit, come up speaking in tongues. Reinhardt's like, whoa, that messes with my theology. <laughs> but he's like, okay. So the next day he goes back. Well, guess what? There's 2,000 people. Everybody heard about it. And then by the end, the place was full and salvation was happening in that city. And all of those people went to all of the churches that said no. And they were blessed with all of the increase. Yeah. 